How many of you are ready to be uh, fed by the Lord today? Yes? Yes. Pray for your pastor that he will uh, preach the Word of God in truth and that it comes to your heart. Uh, it melts your heart. It nurtures your heart and nourishes your heart. Some of you that are new, I am Pastor Wong, Wong Reiso Valui. I'm the pastor here at the Santa Clara First Baptist Church. It's great to serve the Lord where God is moving. And His movement is tangible through lives that are saved, rededicated, and changed. And if you're looking for God and you want to experience Him in a very real way, this is the place to be. This is God's space. This is God's place. And you will also feel it today. Um, so we're doing a series on who is my neighbor. And, and uh, today we're going to study the word of God from Second Kings chapter 5. We are going to look at the story of Naaman and prophet Elisha. Okay? So how the prophet Elisha treated Naaman who had leprosy. Okay. Who had leprosy. Now, there are two things that I would focus on today. These are the two things I will focus. That this responsible speech, responsible conversation can lead to healing, restoration, and salvation. Okay? The other one is irresponsible speech. Irresponsible conversation is destructive, divisive, and again, can be fatal for people. So we're going to look at this today, and we're going to apply this. So stay with me during the story, right? So irresponsible speech tears down, destroys, and can kill your neighbor. Naaman had leprosy, Second Kings chapter 5. So let's start from there, okay? Now... Leprosy is an external affliction because of internal uh, decay. Now, leprosy is an external affliction of the internal moral decay at that time. So if you're a Christian and you follow the Bible, the first time leprosy is recorded in the Bible, it was associated with what? It was associated with speech. It was associated with slander. It was associated with talking ill against another person. That's how leprosy came. Who was that person? It was Miriam. Miriam was the sister of Moses who had conspired with Aaron, the brother, and went to Moses and rebelled against him to do what? To usurp his leadership. Okay? And how did she do that? She told Moses, uh, basically, you can't be a leader of Israel because your wife is an Ethiopian. See? Uh, and probably because she is darker uh, in color than many of the majority uh, Israelite there. And they question Moses' leadership on the nationality of his wife, Zipporah. Zipporah is the wife of Moses, a Cushite woman who is an Ethiopian. Uh, Numbers 12, you can read it when you go home. Okay. So Aaron and 
Miriam are in the tent and asking Moses, you're not good enough to lead Israelite because your wife is Ethiopian. See? It is the external manifestation of prejudice and, uh, and hate or looking down, uh, demeaning, degrading people based on race, color, and nationality. So what was the consequences of this slandering? What was the consequences of this uh, demeaning and degrading uh, Moses' wife and rebelling against uh, Moses? What happened? God came down in the pillar of clouds and stood before the door of the tabernacle where three of them were having meeting. And do you know what God was doing? Was he pleased? Was he enjoying this conversation? No. The Word of God said he was very angry. He was very angry, and he told in a very nice way to Miriam and Aaron. What did he say? He said to other prophets and leaders, I appear to them in dreams and vision. But to Moses, I speak to him directly, face to face. He see the form of my image. And you are questioning the leadership of Moses? When the cloud departed from the tabernacle, and Aaron turned and looked at his sister, what had happened? She was full of leprosy, and her skins were white as snow. This external affliction was the result of her internal moral decay. And leprosy was associated with irresponsible speech at that time. It was a moral, moral, spiritual, moral failure. Right? I am giving this background because I'm coming to the point where when Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. This is the commandment that we want to come. Love God, love your neighbor. On these two commandments, all the prophets and the law hang on it. So I'm coming to there. Are you staying with me? Church, are you staying with me this morning? Yes? All right. Because this is about your life. This is about your well-being. Because these blessings of well-being and prolonged life is tied to this commandment in the Bible. So this is very, very important for us to get this right. And if we get these simple little things right, great things will follow us. But we've got to do these little things right. The Lord had given victory to Naaman. When you read Second Kings chapter 5, verse 1, he was an honorable, uh, great man, a mighty man of valor, respected by his master. But he had leprosy. He was a leper. Now, the Lord had given victory to Syria by Naaman. He was a great military commander. And all the victory that he has experienced, the Word of God says, the Lord has given victory to Syria by him. So let's look at Naaman. How was his speech? How was his speech? How did he know God? Now we know there was no mention of him acknowledging God or giving glory to God. In fact, when he went to meet prophet Elisha, and prophet Elisha told him to go down to the river Jordan and take a dip seven times, what did he say? 
What did he say? He said, Why should I go down the river Jordan? Is in the river Abana and Farbar more better than the river Jordan in Israel? My waters are clearer in Syria. It's a running water. Why would I go to river Jordan? Right? Look at his irresponsible speech. And this is the guy who is kind of marginalized. More, it would have been more so in Israel. He's an outcast. He's hiding his disease. He has tried everything to heal himself. And he is at a point where he could be healed. And the prophet is giving him a command to bless him. And he, what did he do? The man who had been an outcast, the man who had been marginalized, is comparing himself to other people and looking down on the country of Israel and her king and the prophet. Do you see that? Do you see the responsible bit? Uh, That the man who is an outcast is making a comparison and looking down on other people. What did God do with Miriam? Right? Because leprosy today is the ultimate others. Okay? The other is like leprosy here. In our world today, the other is like leprosy. It is isolation. You're quarantined. Uh, you're kept away. So when Miriam was trying to separate and reject Moses' wife, Moses' wife and Moses, well, God gave him leprosy and make her experience what? Isolation, rejection, and she was quarantined. And she understood what it meant, what it meant like to be isolated. See, irresponsible speech. Irresponsible speech is divisive, is destructive. It doesn't build. It doesn't lead to salvation. Are you getting the point here? Right? Let's look at the king. Okay? Three character. We look at Miriam, Naaman. So the king of Syria sent a letter to the king of Israel and said in, uh, in the letter, Second Kings 5 again, and he said, Please heal Naaman. He didn't say please. I added that word. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I'm sending Naaman so that he can be healed of leprosy. Right? All right. How did the, how did the king respond? Oh, erratic. He, irrational. Erratic. What did he say? Am I God to kill and to make a life? Well, uh, let's answer that question. No, you're not God. We know that. Can you kill? Yes, you can kill. Can you make a life? No. Am I God that you send this man to heal, lepros- to, to heal the leprosy? And he's seeking quarrel with me. He's looking for an excuse to attack Israel. That's how the king responded. Irresponsible speech when people have fear. Right? And why do we reject the other? Why do we push away the other? The other, it is because of our fear. It is because of our fear of the other that we reject them, we push them away. In fact, it is because of our insecurity that we push the other away. So we have this irrational speech, we have this erratic speech, we respond to them in degrading, demeaning manner because we are afraid of them. 
When there is fear, there is no love. If you fear the other people, I can guarantee you that you will not share the gospel with them. Then how do we connect our Christian life day to day to the great commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, when you are afraid of the other? Now you're getting it, because you're thinking, where is pastor going? Right? The king was afraid. His neighbor, the Syrian king was his neighbor. When he received the letter, instead of saying, Oh, here's an opportunity for me to make peace, to grow together. He was saying, He's going to fight with me. And he was so afraid, so afraid that he tore his clothes. He tore his clothes and said, Am I God? You definitely are not. So three characters of irresponsible speech. So challenging times, right? When there is competition and comparison, there is no place for compassion. See, all these three characters, they are comparing and competing with other people. Naaman's competing with Israel, saying Syria is better. Miriam is competing, competing with uh, Moses, that I'm better. I can also hear the word of God. Why should I follow you, right? And the two kings are at war. And comparison and competition have no place for compassion. See, let, uh, and it happened when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive? This man sent a man to me to heal him of leprosy. Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. See, see fear overwhelms faith. Fear overwhelms faith. What's the solution, my friends? Responsible speech. So let's look at it, right? Let's look at the responsible speech that heals, restores, and saves. Now in 2 Kings uh, chapter 5, verse 3, and uh, let me read it for you here. And it says here, uh, She said to his mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of leprosy. So when Naaman had gone on one of the raids, he had a young Israeli girl as captive, and he brought him back to his wife to serve, to serve the wife. Now, when she found out that Naaman had leprosy, what did this servant girl, the captive Israelite servant girl do? She went to her mistress and said, If only your Lord, my Lord, Naaman was to meet my prophet Eliza, he would heal him, cure him of this leprosy. That is a responsible speech. You do not have to be wealthy, rich, well-known person to bring restoration, salvation and healing to a person's life. The world out there, our neighbor out there, needs healing, restoration, and salvation. And it takes for you and I, like the servant girl, to speak words responsibly to restore people. This servant girl had faith in the God of Elisha. And she said, in her circumstances... She's not in the 
in the nicest circumstances. She, she is being a captive. She is a slave. She is a servant. But she rose above her circumstance and she stood on the power and the transformation power of the gospel and she said, my, my master can be healed. There is a God in Israel. Go through the prophet Elisha. You see that? And you think sometimes that I have to be a pastor. I have to be trained in seminary. I have to have years of leadership qualification. Go through discipleship training, uh, gospel sharing training, and then I will share to someone. No. Now is the time. Today is the time. When somebody comes at you, you share them. This is what God has done for me. And my God can do the same thing for you. Just like the Israelite captive servant girl. You can speak responsibly for salvation. Right? That's the servant though. Now, let's go to the second one. The second one um, is, let's go to Elisha. So, when it was Elisha, the man of... When Elisha heard that the king tore his clothes and said, Oh, my God, I can't make people alive and, uh, you know... All this erratic conduct, he said, oh, he sent a word to the king. Please send Naaman to me. Why did you tear your clothes for these little things? Send Naaman to me. See, that's a responsible speech. So when Naaman came, uh, instead of, Naaman came with the chariots and the, the, the soldiers, gold, silver, fine clothes, the gift to Elisha. And he came with his wealth and power and fame and status. And Elisha sent his servant out. He didn't even go out to greet him and say, Tell Naaman to go down the river Jordan and dip there seven times and be, you'll be washed and clean. That's what he said. This is the reason why Naaman was furious. Because he was expecting a grand royal reception from the prophet of Elijah. In fact, the prophet said to the king, Send Naaman to me. So they will know that there is a prophet of God in Israel. Eh? It wasn't about Elisha's power or what he can do. He wants to show the power of God to this man who had been trying to cure himself from leprosy. That is responsible. He believed in the word of God. He believed in act of God. He was a prophet of God who trusted that God can heal Naaman. Responsible speech, right? Now, the third one is the servant of Naaman. So when Naaman was furious and he wanted to go back, said, I'm going to go back to Syria. My rivers are better than the rivers in Jordan. I'm going home. Our waters are clear. It runs through my oozing, scaly skin, fleshly wound. It can run through and clean it and be, I can be cleansed. No, he, he, he hasn't been cleansed. So this servant... This is amazing. This servant guy turned to this great military commander. And you know how he started the conversation? He said, my father. Oh, that word is disarming. To this furious, angry military commander, one of his servants turned to him and said, my father, if the prophet asked you to do great things, wouldn't you do it? He said that you will be cleansed. This responsible conversation cooled down Naaman, take him from his irrational thoughts, 
And he listened to the servant and went down to the river and dipped seven times. And after the seventh time, his skin was like the skin of a child, a little child, and he was cured and healed. A soft word turns away anger and wrath. Responsible speech restores, brings people to salvation. The gospel is kind. The gospel of the Lord is graceful. The gospel of the Lord is generous. It is not harsh. It's not, it doesn't condemn. It doesn't judge. There is no prejudice. And we take the gospel and package it with our culture and how we grow up and throw it at other people with full of judgment and prejudice and full of uh, demeaning, degrading word. And we say, why doesn't the gospel is received well by people? Because it is packaged with your external hate, internal corruption. External hate is the manifestation of internal corruption, my friends. And the modern day leprosy today is racism, is hate, hate speech. This is the modern day leprosy. It is divisive. It is infectious. It is infectious. It's divisive. How do we counter that? By responsible speech. Focus on God. Stay on the word of God. Talk about this transformational power of the gospel. Stay true to that. Do not divert from that. Love people just as you love yourself. And see how your life is being prolonged and wellness follows you. These two blessings have been promised in the Old Testament and the New Testament. How many of you want to live a good life this morning? I do want to good, live a good life. How many of you want to sleep peacefully at night? Because well-being, prolonged life means a life without uh, uh, frustrations and a life without... Uh, Disappointment. That's the meaning of it, right? It's not so much about having lots of money. It's about having little disappointment and frustration and distress in your life. How many of you want that kind of life? I want it. How do we do that? Love our neighbors as ourselves. Then your dissatisfaction, distress, disappointment in life will be minimized. And we see this. How prophet Elisha treated Naaman. Three things. So what are we learning from? What are we learning today from this, uh, from this, speech, uh, from this sermon? First is that irre- irresponsible speech is like an infectious disease. Okay? And responsible speech can lead to healing, restoration, and salvation. See, and fear is a hindrance. Fear is a hindrance to love our neighbors and uh, it overwhelms our faith. So how, what do we do? Love conquers all fear. You know, I want to read the Word of God from uh, Colossians chapter 4, 5 and 6. It says here, Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be seasoned. With grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer to each one. To each one. This series, Who is My Neighbor, is not about, is not, is not all about knowing the name of your neighbors. It's not all about where they live, where they go, where they work. 
More importantly, it is about you. Who is my neighbor has to be answered within your heart. This is about you. Right? Because the world changes. The world is changing so fast. Our neighbors are changing. We can see that we live in a transitional places, in city, and it changes so fast. But the world's changing so fast. Even our church has changed for the good. Our church is very diverse. You can see how people from all nations are saved and baptized and welcome here. That is a testament to whom? It's to your generous, open heart, Santa Clara First Baptist Church. You did well. You did good job on that. Yes. You're great. That's the reason why this is happening. And we have to always look at this. I want to say this last word to you. With the changes that comes in our, in our uh, God's movement. We have to notice God's movement. How he's changing and follow the direction and current. The word of God says forget the formal things. I will do a new thing. Why does he keep saying these things? Because God does new things all the time in our lives. And when new things happen in our life. That we refrain ourselves from irresponsible speech. Divisive speech. I was with the pastor's uh, meeting group, our, our region. And we are doing a book on uh, 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 leadership in uncharted territory. It, it's, a, it's an adaptation from when Lewis and Clark tried to come out to the west. And they thought that they'll go into the ocean. But they met the Rocky Mountains. And like, where's the water, right? So instead of canoeing in the ocean, they're trying to canoe on the mountains. So, right? So canoeing the mountains, leading in uncharted territory. This is about adaptive leadership, right? Because it's different from directional leadership. In adaptive leadership, there is no blueprint. There is nothing that you can learn. You have to adapt and learn. And as I was reading that, it took me to Friedman. Uh, if you are a reader... Read the book, Failure of Nerve by Friedman, and the system theory that he wrote. Uh, and there are great work done by uh, Heifetz and Linsky on leadership. And one of the things that they wrote is people are not, people don't resist change per se. But what do they resist? They resist the lost. It's not about change, it's about the loss. When there is change, there is grieving, there is loss. You lost your job. Somebody has taken your place. You're not doing the same thing that you were doing before. So it's about the loss. The loss of your position, title, money. Loss of being comfortable. And changes brings that. But leprosy can happen when we have irresponsible speech. When those things happen. Santa Clara First Baptist Church. Even here in the short time that I'm here, we have changed so much. And we are going to change more. Our society, our culture is going to change more. And we have to adapt ourselves with a changing society. What, if there is one legacy that I want to leave for this church, this is the legacy that I want to leave. That the children yet to be born will grow up to declare the mighty works of God. That's the legacy I want to leave behind. So your pastor will do everything to make ourselves keep adapting and changing. Which means there will be realigning of leaders. You will have new leaders. You will see new leaders of our church. Realigning of new leaders. Doing new things for the church. You will see that even in the coming year. This year and next year. And when those things happen. 
I want you to speak responsibly. So there is unity. There is love. That the glory of God is manifested. That the gospel continue to work in people's life. Because when we have irresponsible speech, then it will bring division. It will bring disunity, destruction. And it will destroy the church. Are you with me, Santa Clara First Baptist Church? I'm telling change is coming. It's already here. And you will see your pastor realigning the passion and the work, restructuring things. Because if we don't do for the long term and just work according to the short-term conveniences, it will be late for us. We cannot sacrifice our future for short-term conveniences. We have to look ahead. But understanding vision, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. See, when we talk about vision, we always talk about what is going to happen tomorrow. What will be tomorrow? What will be for the next year? Do you know what vision is? This, I was reminded again when I was reading uh, Friedman and uh, uh, Linsky and Heifetz. A vision is about understanding the reality of what is. Okay? That's a big part of the vision. When we're understanding the reality of what is, then we are prepared for tomorrow. We are prepared for tomorrow. When I was in India and taking care of a mission trip that came there, uh, we went to a part where there were lots of beggars. And if you give to one beggar, like 15, 20 kids will come and swarm you because all of them. And it happened so many times. So this German group, uh, we, were, we came home and we decided, what are we going to do if we go here again? And if we, I want to give to those people that are begging on the street and say, but if I give to one, what will happen to the other people? They will come and swarm our car and just come and hang on to us. We prayed and prayed and we decided that, okay, this is what we'll do then. You know, who are you most compassionate to? And he said, the lepers. The lepers are prone to pain, oozing skin, scaly skin, and open wounds and sometimes you will see that their fingers are eaten so they don't have any finger it's just a stump and many of them they're on the street they're wrapped in clothes and we decided that we'll give only to the lepers we went around that day on the street and praying and looking for and there were many lepers as he go by he slowly dropped some money for all the lepers right What I'm saying is, in order to love our neighbors, planning is involved. Preparation is involved. It's a choice that you have to make. You can't just think that I'm going to love people the moment I hit them and make eye contact. It's not going to happen that way. If your heart is not ready, if you have not prepared your heart to love the other, the ultimate lepers, you're not going to fulfill the command of God. This is serious stuff. This is serious stuff. Because God said, do not bear false witness against your neighbor. False utterance, slander. That's the reason why he had to come and judge Miriam. Because she was giving false witness. Uttering slanders to her own brother. We cannot do that if we are going to change our community. We cannot 
have intra-slanders, tearing down of each other. Let's be on our feet and prepare our heart that God will use us to love our neighbors. Oh, Father God, we cannot do this on our own. If it were so easy to love others, you would never have given the command for us to love the others as ourselves. You knew that our human nature is selfish self-love, self-centeredness, and pride. That's our human nature. And you had to come, intervene, interrupt our lives and say, no, you love your neighbors as you love yourselves. Lord, spare us from this modern-day leprosy of irresponsible speech. May our words be seasoned with grace, seasoned with salt, that it brings healing, restoration, and salvation to the community that needs, that needs our graceful words, our kind words, our loving words. Lord, as we sing this song, not I, but Christ. Let the Holy Spirit of God do a surgery in our heart, Lord God. Do a surgery in our heart, Lord. Transform us, O Father God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Can you open your heart and let God do the work today? Lord God.